and welcome to Let's Talk Diz, a show that gives you everything you need to know to help make your Disney vacation as magical as can be in just about 20 minutes. I'm your host, Jeff Coviello. With me each week is Disney Master Sandy from Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services. Sandy, how are you tonight? I am feeling nostalgic. We are going to talk about some of my favorite things that sadly no longer exist in Disney, but an awesome way for us to reminisce. Well, and we're going to do so through a our Cats Chronicles feature. Uh, and tonight we have a decorated gentleman that's joining us this evening, Eddie Wilder, a.k.a. Eddie the Shaman, was an actor for Walt Disney World for over 26 years. He performed at many stages, including Streetmosphere at Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom, Dino Land Grad Students Opening Cast, Comedy Warehouse of Pleasure Island, and for the past 16 years, Turtle Talk with Crush at Epcot. His hidden Mickey, so to speak, is that he's an ordained minister and he's been performing weddings in Orlando and all over the country for the past 21 years. We are thrilled to welcome Eddie to Let's Talk Diz. Eddie, how are you? Well, good. Hello to everyone out there, but most importantly, hello, Jeff. Hello, Sandy. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, we're really excited that you are here. As as anyone that's listening to the show, they can tell Eddie is is totally uh, afraid of the microphone. It's something that he's he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's unfamiliar with the stage. So... I gave that brief introduction. Is there anything that you wanted to share with the audience that maybe I missed that it would be helpful for them to know about you? Oh, well, I, I got to tell you, uh, as uh, many people know, a long time ago, there was this thing called Renaissance Festivals. And there was this young man by the name of Gary Izzo who ran a Renaissance Festival up in Sterling, New York, right outside of Syracuse. And he created this thing called Interactive Street Theater, where for some reason there's a person in a period piece of costume and either they're talking to themselves or they're drawing a crowd. And then all of a sudden you're a part of the action. You become part of the show. So uh, Interactive Street theater started in the Ren Fair, and then of course Gary brought it to uh, the lovely land of the artist formerly known as Disney's MGM Studios, and at first it started as Screen Test, then it became Streetmosphere, and now it was fondly known as the Citizens of Hollywood. What happened was it was really a wonderful thing. A man by the name of Ken Kraft, who was a benevolent soul at the studios, uh, always did a lot of great work. He would uh, uh, take a journey up to Syracuse in the middle above it uh, in the woods of Sterling, and he would meet all these people with extremely long hair, uh, extremely long facial hair at the time, and uh, not much health insurance. And the offer was, would you like to move to Orlando, Florida, have a full-time job under an equity contract for a year you can get your equity contract you can have insurance you can have all the things you want so uh so a lot of us moved down uh some stayed a year and uh people like myself who are done with the snow stayed for the last uh 29 years <laughs> all right so here's how this is going to work we've got some rapid fire questions for you that are all disney related uh, the first thing, first thing that comes to your head, if you if you have an explanation on one or two of them, that's fine. Uh, but yep. really, rapid fire is the name of the game here. So whenever you're set, we'll get going. All right, All right your favorite Disney park. My favorite Disney park would be uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom because I helped create a new species of theme park. So it'll always have a special place in my heart, and it's beautiful to watch it grow. Your favorite Disney song. Uh, that would have to be either an actor's life for me from Pinocchio or Got No Strings, but I did audition in sixth grade with Zippity Doodah to become the munchkin that handed Dorothy the lollipop in the Lollipop Guild. Your favorite Disney movie? 
Oh, uh, ooh, I'm a little, I'm a little impartial here. I would, uh, Lion King was up there, but I will say, Finding Nemo and Finding Dory, two utter classics. Uh, you're walking around the park, any park. Your favorite Disney snack? All right, now talk with me, people. You're hallucinating. It's 119 degrees. Either the Dole Whip or the Minute Maid Lemonade Slushy. So good. And during Flower and Garden, the the lavender slushy, absolutely mm-hmm. breathtaking and soul retrieving. <laughs> okay. Uh, your favorite Disney character that's appeared on the screen? Well, I've got to admit, uh, out of all the different characters, both villainous and uh, heroic, uh, seeing the genie uh, during Aladdin was truly uh, probably mind-blowing. To see both the animators and obviously the rapid-fire comic delivery of Robin Williams merge together, that for me, that felt like my original, like that phantasmic moment where everything just came together. Uh, That was truly mind-bending. I agree. We showed that to my four-year-old daughter for the first time over the last couple of days. And, you know, she was watching my face smile every time Robin Williams did whatever he did. And I just keep looking at my wife going, he should have won an Oscar. He should have won an Oscar. <laughs> Easily. Easily. All right. Uh, best Disney stage show. This will be a tough one for you. All right. Now, um, let's think. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, you know, Legend uh, Legend of the Lion King, obviously, you know, the fact that they moved theaters alone was breathtaking. But seeing the absolute amazing puppeteering, the song, everything about it, Finding Nemo the Musical has got to be up there in the top two or three Broadway-esque shows on Disney property. You're walking around the park. It's the holiday season. What, in your opinion, is the greatest holiday overlay that the parks do? Although the Magic Kingdom is always magical, being at the studios the night before and then the next day, it literally was like waking up at Christmas. Everything's decorated and colorful, so I would definitely say the studios. What is your most missed attraction? Ooh, okay. Now, this one's going to be a little bit old school. It almost wasn't an attraction. And the reason why is that uh, when we first got down to uh, Orlando, they would take us and have us run around and look at all the parks and study them all. I don't know if you remember, but right across from Indiana Jones, in between Sounds Dangerous and the uh, Superstar Television Show, there were those little boots where you went inside and you remember you could go in the booth and it would tell you a little story and it was like you were the new executive and you would hear them kind of cutting your hair and you would hear them opening bottles and you see the arrow fly by your face. It was in the same area where you could overlay your voice to be with uh, Snow White or any of those other ones. Do you guys remember that? I do. I do remember that. That that one. You know why, Jeff? Here's the deal. You're a new cast member. You've just moved to Florida. You want to be Walt. You want to create his image. And at the last second, you hear it go, you're going to do just fine here. I actually thought that Gary Izzo had put that in there so that each of us actors would have that confidence to know, yes, you're not at the Ren Fair. Yes, yes, you're not out <laughs> hugging trees and screaming whatever, but that you are going to do just fine. So that for me was amazing. But I will tell you, Phil Harmagic, Phil Harmagic has got to be one of the greatest attractions. But what I truly do miss, I must say, is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. That's fair. I'll allow uh, I belong to the SaveToad.com website for all the good it didn't do. <laughs> oh! <laughs> 
you want to? You <laughs> Thank wanna, you for trying, Sandy. Thank you for trying. You want to give that web address one more time so our listeners can know? Savetoad.com. But I will then give a little plug. It's a reason to fly cross country as you can still ride Mr. Toad out in Disneyland. That's, see, that's why you're the, that's why you're the that's, Disney that's expert. That's a good place to go. See, that's a bucket list item right there. <laughs> going to Paris, going to Tokyo, maybe even hanging out at Shanghai. But dude, you got to hit it old school. And I was very honored when I was a small child. We actually took a trip out to California and I remember going on Space Mountain. I remember standing outside those pearly gates and once you got in, it was it was magical. It truly was. And who would have thought I would actually end up moving to Orlando and working for the greatest entertainment company in the world. That segues me from my rapid fire questions to Sandy, and she's going to kind of break down a little bit more of what you just discussed and your specific roles. So take it away, Sandy. Thanks, Jeff. Eddie, I'm so excited to be here. And as Jeff said, I love that I get some of the behind the curtain stuff. But before we jump into that, I would love to ask you for our listeners, you talked about moving to Orlando to get your equity card. And while Jeff mm -hmm. and I are certainly familiar with that, for people that don't know, can you give just a sentence or two to explain what that means for a performer to be able to achieve that? Well, it is a lifelong goal for any actor who wants to join the union, which is known as Actors' Equity Association. Most of the time you're doing regional theater, Lort theater, uh, you're doing summer stocks where you're trying, to you're trying to acquire your equity card by accumulating a certain amount of points. And I remember it was about 40 points. And so for every work week that you had, you could earn a point. So really, after a year of working at Walt Disney World, you could have your equity card, which means you could go to any audition, New York, LA, anywhere you want to go. And the great thing is, is that that's what the one promise was, is that you had a year contract. It was guaranteed. You had health insurance. You could get a haircut. You could go to a doctor. You could get glasses. But it did. It afforded you an opportunity uh, to really advance your career. And not only that, but become a part of something greater than oneself. That's amazing. Thank you. And I know you talked a little bit how you were selected that they came to that renaissance fair mm -hmm. but this role is just so unique did they kind of pick you that way and that was it or once you were selected was there then an audition oh, process andy i didn't even make the cut sandy oh well you know what the deal is you're standing up there you're auditioning out in the woods you're on a uh, amphitheater you have long hair you're trying to show them and what happened was is my friend tony lopez and uh tony lopez and i who worked at uh at studios and he was part of the Hollywood Public Works. He was the boss for many years, worked at Epcot. We were stretching on our backs, long hair, beards going, we'll never work for Disney. They'll never pick us. And they didn't. But what happened was, is I luckily had proposed to my wife, Sandy, and someone, a man named Fred Kashevsky, had decided to go into management and didn't want to be an actor anymore. So he left Atmosphere. Gary called me on a Friday. I drove down. I auditioned that Monday. And then I got the job that Monday night. So I had to cut off all my hair. I had to buy a car. I had to get an apartment, but all of that in 48 hours. So that's how quickly your life can turn and change when you're given a career opportunity like that. That's an awesome story. Can you tell me more about what the audition was like for them when you drove down? Sure, no problem at all. You're going to laugh. Uh, there was a man named Dave Urig, and he was one of the casting scouts. Um, also, Russ Jordan was a casting scout. But I literally auditioned in Dave's office with a pillow. 
So you're in a space of about 5.5 feet. He's standing two feet away from you. You got three other actors standing next to you. And they say, okay, let's do some improv. So I quickly grabbed a pillow. I started playing football. I threw a long pass. Uh, and the best thing was, is that he could tell just from three feet away, this guy can perform from a hundred feet away. And that's the one thing that outdoor interactive theater trained you as. You don't have a microphone, as you can tell, Jeff. I don't need no microphone. You basically learn to project, you hawk your own crowd, you keep your own crowd, and the greatest gift, they said, is that if an audience member will stand in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard in 105 degree heat watching you work, that's when you know you've truly succeeded. Because if you are keeping them that entertained in that much heat, it's a beautiful thing. And I know you remember those streetmosphere crowds. You could fill a street. It was beautiful. I do. And one of the things that I also remember is that sometimes people didn't realize that you were actors and actresses if you weren't <laughs> near that car that you came out on. So do you have any story to share of a guest that didn't realize that you were actually oh. part of the show and what that was like? Well, I'll tell you my first one, Sandy, real quick. As you know, Disney people, we need to know everything. And I know Jeff knows this too, because again, he's got his knowledge. My first day on the streets of Hollywood Boulevard, I'm wearing my costume. I'm Slick McDaniel, pollinating <laughs> to the stars. I'm excited. And a lady walks up to me and she goes, where are the bathrooms at the Magic Kingdom? <laughs> and, I, and I looked at her and I looked for a second. And I'm like, oh, oh, she's lost. Oh, she must be having heat stroke. So I said, oh, sorry, doll face. Seems like you're a little lost there. Let me get you a map. She goes, no, where are the bathrooms in the Magic Kingdom? And I looked at her for a second and, she, and that's when she broke me. She said, hey, you're a cast member. You need to know everything about anything at Disney. And my face dropped. Another one lady, you know, a person comes over, a street miss for a person like, hey, this kid's new to town. Give her a break, Louise. And of course, walks me off. But before I walked off set, the first thing I did was I went to the guest relations and I got a map for Epcot and I got a map for the Magic Kingdom. So the next day she came up and asked me, where are the bat? And I said, if you walk 200 feet, you will turn right at the crossroads of the world. You will hang a left. You'll see a piano player. They sell hot dogs there. You move 25. And she was like, okay, okay, okay. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not okay, baby. Because now I got another 28 minutes of set time and you have earned this. So I let her know where every single bathroom was at at the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> I love it. That is an awesome story. And the only other a problem, Sandy, is that it, at working at Comedy Warehouse, it, you would be wearing not necessarily a costume as much as you might wear your outfit. So a lot of times, and you also didn't wear a name tag. So that would be a lot of times where they'd get confused and they might say, oh man, Sandy, what's up with that one actor? His rhyme was horrible. And you're like, that was me. So you also had a very different role where you weren't truly guest facing. You spent some time, a long time, as crush at Turtle Talk. And can you talk a little bit about how different that is when you're not, well, you were face to face with the audience, but I guess they weren't face back because they were seeing crush. What was that experience like? As you know, Sandy, one of the great things about being good friends with certain characters at Walt Disney World, uh, you are afforded an opportunity to sometimes see, as we would say, you get to see the future before they see the future. So whether it's a bit, whether it's a script, you know, we practice and practice. So the audience always thinks they're seeing it for the first time. The one thing that I felt that was amazing about is whether you call it digital puppeteering, whether you call it interactive theater, but at a distance, uh, the one thing 
we called it was kind of like a non-attached giving that when you're doing street theater, they're right in front of you, maybe sometimes 12 inches, sometimes they're hugging you, sometimes they're shoulder to shoulder. With this, there was almost like a time delay. So it almost gave you time to give yourself a, a chance to react and give them a chance to react. It wasn't as immediate. You almost had to set it up, set it up, let it land, let it land and hope and hope it hits, it hits. <laughs> Rather than street theater where you're just going full throttle 115 uh, as fast as you can go. So the great thing is, is knowing that you don't have to worry about hawking your own crowd, that that crowd that's in that theater went and came to see that character. So that gives you ultimate power and also puts you on notice to deliver the highest product because they are there to meet and greet a character that they've been watching for months, years, or as we say, been asking those questions in the car since Indiana. I always say there's the poo effect where you've held Winnie the Pooh in your hands for so many years and then you go to meet him and he's eight foot tall. <laughs> It is definitely my daughter. A my daughter calls those the real, the real Mickey. I want to go see the real <laughs> Mickey. <laughs> so, can you tell us a little bit? We know that Disney holds their brand very high, and they're all about character integrity and all the lines, and that's why their stage shows are staged and amazing. But your roles, just like the example you gave with the lady looking for the ladies' room. You don't necessarily know what's going to come at you and you've got to go back. So how did that process work for training and approved lines and things that you were allowed to kind of wing it a little bit? Talk a little bit about how you did that. Well, I would say it, the training, first of all, I, what I appreciated and, and we do we do it very well, obviously, at Walt Disney World is they need to make sure you're approved. Uh, they have to make sure that you not only know the material, can handle material, but that you're able to do the material, maybe not in front of the people that have been training you. So one of the great things was is that uh, Gary Izzo always had us do a mock fair day where they brought guests in or patrons, as we call them in the Ren Fair. And they and so that way you were performing. It was like a dress rehearsal, but you had a chance to work on your bits, work on your timing. But whereas at, at Walt Disney World, I remember, and you probably remember this, in the, uh, in the rehearsal room formerly known as Fred and Ginger over at the studios right behind the little bungalow area, we would all go in there and you would work on your bits. That's what you call them, bits or skits. And then we would present them for each other. But the one thing that we always knew is that definitely there's a line you cannot cross. And more importantly, Gary could teach us how to read a guest how to read them. So you'd see someone, imagine you're visualizing, you look across the street and there's a guy with his arms crossed. Most people would say, oh, don't talk to that guy, body language. No, that guy's waiting to watch the show. That's actually gonna be your best friend. It's the person they're pointing out to next going, oh, pick this guy, pick this guy. That's the one you don't pick because sometimes it's a setup. Sometimes they get caught up in the moment. Sometimes they forget where they are and they forget they're at Walt Disney World and they wanna do great things comedy warehouse maybe around a 12 o'clock show but the point is is that as training we're trained how to read a guest how to interact with a guest how to diffuse a situation and so that's the other thing that i think made us interactive uh such an asset on the street is that you could also handle the situation and identify because we were on such high alert because you really are all all the pistons are firing and you are trying to entertain an entire street full of people. And that may seem overwhelming, but you're actually, you get zoned in. So they are watching and listening to every word you say. So you really can help save the day. 
And the crowds that you guys draw are amazing. It definitely is a highlight as you're in studios. So with all these amazing, amazing roles you've had and all the different parts that encompass it, what would you say your favorite role is and why? Well, um, I would say, and again, this isn't to be hokey, but my favorite role was being a cast member for Walt Disney World. Because being a member of this company and being a member of this society, um, that that alone that alone sets you apart. Then to know that I was part of the Epcot acting company, that that for me, I never thought I would be working at Epcot. I never thought I would have been there for 16 years. It was my, it was my home, my kids, my wife. We love walking around the park every day. We would walk around. But I will say when I made it to the comedy warehouse that night, I always say that that night around 3.30 in the morning, I was in my kitchen and I just started jumping up and down because I had made it. And when you're when you start with the company, you're always trying to learn a new show, whether it's Streetmosphere, whether it's opening a new park with Animal Kingdom, but Comedy Warehouse, that was they were it. And so to make it and to be there and to be able to perform with those people, that was otherworldly. But I will tell you, I do have a very, very deep connection with a certain surfer dude, dad, who just, you know, he just wants to help out his son and help some people along the way. And uh and it's a pretty righteous existence, and it definitely had some moments that that go beyond entertainment, that just are pure human experiences that are shared, believe it or not, between a talking turtle and a human being. That is amazing. I love all the magic and all the great sentiment that you bring. And now you're bringing magic in a very different way. I know Jeff was going to talk to you about a new role that you've taken on outside of the Disney company, but sometimes you even get to be back on a Disney stage. <laughs> you are completely correct. Um, <laughs> yes, I was very uh, fortunate. Uh, about 21 years ago, I was asked to perform a wedding, an Indian wedding, uh, Native American, at the Disney's wedding pavilion, which you kids remember, two-year waiting limit, and it's still beautiful. They just remodeled it. It is breathtaking. And so I walked in. I burned my smudge. They were looking at me. I said, hey, it's the bride and the groom. This is what they want. And that started a 21-year journey uh, with doing weddings with Disney's literally fairy tale weddings. They're absolutely breathtaking. But whether it's uh, doing a wedding at Animal Kingdom with Captain Jack Sparrow walking in or doing a pirate ceremony at, uh, at the wedding pavilion or even just a small little beautiful uh, beach wedding over at Luau, you know, Luau Beach right at the Polynesian. It's just an amazing experience to be a part of someone's wedding day. But more importantly, to be able to share that love and kind of help facilitate that love is uh, it's beautiful. As somebody that has been to Walt Disney World countless times and now brings their kids there, one of the things that I think makes Walt Disney World as memorable as it is are the roles that you talked about playing today. Things that you just maybe, if if you're not familiar tremendously with the product, so to speak, you don't really realize that you're in the middle of the stage and that people are walking around at any given moment trying to make a memorable experience for you. So... I definitely thank you for the work that you've done because I can't tell you how many times I've been walking down Hollywood Boulevard and, and enjoyed the interaction that, that people have had there. And then you throw crush in and it's just something that is a, it's a must do every time that I've been there. Uh, so thank you for that. First off. And then, and then second of all, you just mentioned something that, you know, is, is so unique and so 
important to people that this is where they're choosing to to exchange their vows and and decide who they're going to spend the rest of their life with. So for many, many reasons, but that one also being included, if someone's listening to this show and they want to reach you, how do they get in touch with you? Well, first of all, again, Jeff, I am honored. And I would like to just tag onto your sentiment that Jeff, it was, it's all the guests that made all those performers and cast members feel like they were a star. And that's why I truly appreciate what you said. And that, and, and I know a lot of our community of entertainers obviously are, are finding new avenues, but are still entertainers. But that right there, that makes them go, you know what, I, I, I was there for the right reason. So thank you for saying that. And if anyone would like to get in contact with me, I'd be more than honored to help them with their wedding. Um, I, my website is eddytheshaman.com. And that would be www.eddytheshaman.com. And of course, uh, if they want to look me up, I'm listed under weddingwire.com under Eddie the Shaman. I've got about 75 reviews out there and I love helping people and facilitating their love. Well, that's awesome. And again, thank you for my seat, uh, for taking the time tonight to talk to us. Oh, Jeff, it has been an honor. I've got to tell you, thank you so much. And I look forward to working with you in the future. And Sandy, I love the fact that you are a Disney wedding showcaser and working with Disney brides. Bravo to that. And thank you so much for taking care of them. I'll see you at the vestibule. Oh, we love it. Thank you. And you kind of brought into my mind tonight a slogan that was Disney's motto a couple of years ago. You really helped me to remember the magic on some of the old things that are no longer nights at Comedy Warehouse and so much more. It's been a real pleasure for me to get to talk to you tonight as well. So thank you. And that's a wrap this week on Let's Talk Diz. If anyone you know could benefit from this or any show, please share, have them like, have them subscribe. And don't forget to reach out to the folks at Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services for any Disney destination planning. Make it a great week. And as always, keep making memories. <laughs>